welcome to another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. Today I'm talking about the fact that God made two genders and only two genders. Gender is not fluid, nor should we misidentify our own gender. In Genesis 1.26, the word says that God made man in his image. Now, that doesn't mean we look like God, nor does it mean we possess his incommunicable attributes. But in his image means, as Phil Johnson preached, quote, humanity bears the stamp of God's likeness. No other creature, not even the highest archangel, was made in God's image. We can see the image of God imprinted on the human soul in humanity's unique moral and spiritual attributes, those things that set us apart from the animals. Continuing with Phil Johnson's quote, for example, the human intellect is uniquely capable of self-reflection. We're creative. We're moved by beauty. We speak a variety of complex languages. Our moral instinct, that innate sense of right and wrong, is unparalleled in the animal kingdom. We have a conscience that declares our guilt when we do wrong, and no other creature manifests anything like the human craving for communication with God. Animals don't practice religion of any kind. That's the end of the Phil Johnson excerpt from his sermon, What Creation Reveals, about being made in God's likeness. Now, after God made man, God made woman, Genesis 2.22. God made male and he made female. He made only two genders. He didn't make another Adam and then change that Adam into an Eve. He used one rib and fashioned a woman distinct from a man. And he did this for a purpose. First, it was so the woman would be a helper suitable for man. And second, so that the two would come together and populate the earth. Now that was the Old Testament, but all this is reaffirmed by Jesus in the New Testament. He affirmed God's design of the two genders in Matthew 19, 4 and 5. Jesus replied to the Pharisees' question about marriage this way, quote, And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? That was Matthew 19, 4 and 5. So Jesus' reply in those few short words covers a lot. It affirms God's design for humankind, two genders. It affirms that marriage is between one man and one woman. It affirms two genders again, noting where there, there is a mother and a father. 
from which a child is issued. In other words, it intends two specific genders that comprise the family unit. It affirms that in marriage, the two genders become one flesh. That last bit does refer to the sexual act, but overall, it also refers in general to the two genders becoming one unit, i.e. that marriage is permanent between two opposite sex individuals. Even where polygamy is recorded in the Bible, it's man married to multiple women. You note that even though polygamy is sinful, that when it's pictured in the Bible, it's opposite genders that are married, not same genders married to multiples of the same gender. The creation mandate to multiply cannot happen between same genders. But speaking of the one flesh as the marital physical act, there is no other configuration from which two people become one flesh. The human reproductive system is designed by God. It's designed to be incomplete without the other gender. Humans were given a mandate to go forth and multiply. That's Genesis 1.28. They were given that mandate again after the flood, Genesis 9.7. So the reproductive system was designed to produce a human, which cannot happen when the sexes are the same. Homosexuality is evidence that God has given them over to their unwholesome and depraved desires, as Romans 1, 26 and 27 says. And it rejects the marriage mandate and the multiplication mandate. It's a total rejection of God's order. Though in the Bible times, they did not have the medical capability to change a person from one gender to another gender like we have now. But God called the outward expression of a person presenting the inward desire to be another gender via cross-dressing an abomination. That's in Deuteronomy 22.5. Going the extra step nowadays, using medical technology to actually change gender and not simply dress like the other gender would also be an abomination, even more so. They are suppressing their own biology. All they need to do is examine their own body and understand they are a boy or a girl, a man or a woman. God does not make mistakes, and he did not put the wrong heart, quote-unquote, heart into the wrong body. They are two genders, and they are as solid as cement, not fluid, not changeable, but one or the other. What you are is what you are, and what God intended them to be when he formed them in the womb. If one rejects one's own gender, it's an ultimate rejection of God because he is creator not just of the world, but of each person. It's a supreme rejection of God because 
if I can change my own gender, adjust my own biology, I am my own God. All creation groans under the curse set upon it by man's first sin. Romans 8.22 Yet, all creation is doing what it's supposed to while suffering. Only man is the rebel. Humans who desire to switch from one gender to another are living with a deep inward delusion. They are living in the darkness, and we should have compassion on someone who is so burdened with perverted desires. We should pity the person who is under such judgment from God that he gave them over. And we should righteously be angry with parents who act as in Romans 132, who heartily applaud such craven desires and allow their precious children to be pushed further into the evil dark. For the person sadly seeking some sort of liberation from being trapped in the wrong body, as they say, there is liberation. It's liberation from the power of sin by repenting of one's sin and appealing to Jesus Christ, his death on the cross and resurrection. He died for sinners and has released those already who will repent of their sin and acknowledge him. True liberation comes from Jesus, not a different gender. The pursuit of liberation or satisfaction or settled happiness comes not under the surgeon's knife, but under the sharp sword of the word of God. The word promises, and this is Romans 8, 12 to 17. So then, brothers and sisters, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, For if you are living according with the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those, for all who are being led by the spirit of God, these are sons and daughters of God. For if you have not received a spirit of slavery, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with him, so we may also be glorified with him. In the show notes, I have a couple of resources, The Gospel in a Nutshell with J. Vernon McGee, How Do You Present the Gospel Properly from CARM.org, and that Phil Johnson um, sermon about what creation shows I'm glad you listened. I hope you listened um, all the way to the end and pray to God 
Pray to God for the people who you know who might be living under such a burden of a delusion, seeking liberation in a different gender when liberation exists in Jesus Christ. Thank you, and I hope you have a wonderful day.